0: Hey, Jerome.
1: Oh. Oh. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. It's been a while. Huh? It's been a minute. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to ease back into this with a light episode yeah. and talk about a movie. Oh, by the way, this is a podcast called Everyone Sucks Here. Oh. And oh. I am Brian, one of the hosts. Hi, I'm Jerome. Also one of the hosts. Yes, definitely that. It's a team effort. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Right. So over the winter, Jerome and I got real stoned and watched
2: all of the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, they went by surprisingly fast. I, I thought it was going to be a slog, but no, it was I pretty th- enjoyable. I, the third one was I think drag. we we spaced them out like a week each, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was
1: definitely not like a marathon session or anything stupid like that. Yeah,
2: the third <laughs> one dragged, literally. The third one drags. And it dragged. It drags. And the credits came yeah. in. And it dragged some more. And
1: it does. Yeah, it does <laughs> that. So, you know, because under the influence of marijuana, you think about
2: things. Mm, mm, different mm. way. We just got really ripped and we're just like, what does this mean? What is well, that? Also mean? kind of at this point <laughs> if I'm rewatching something, yeah. I'm going to be rewatching it through a critical eye now. That's true. You know. Whenever you rewatch things, you rewatch it for different reasons. Right. When yeah. I'm watching it the first time, it's just to consume the second and third time, it's just like, oh, I did not see that the right. first time. Right. He not for notice. things he missed
1: in the stories, and then by, like, the fifth rewatch, you're like, oh, man, I really appreciate the art of the shot. Sure. And, like, how this scene is set up or whatever.
2: Sure, totally. But then also now, because we've been, well, because of your influence, it's no longer fun to just look at stuff and just be like, oh, that was a fun romp. Like, nope. I'm seeing stuff all the time I'm just like, oh. Yep. Mm, I'm g- okay. That's kill- the principal job of Very Socialist is to kill fun forever. <laughs> Beat
1: it into a grave. Alright, so I we're going to talk about Lord of the Rings and the themes that we noticed. And in order to do that, we brought in a fellow Pittsburgh podcaster and resident wizard, Lucas Sloppy of Fake Ritual, the podcast, who joined us for pretty fun discussion. He knew a lot of stuff about Tolkien, which was good because I didn't. And what we didn't know, we learned and on the didn't. spot, including, uh, you know, he dropped the bomb on us at the very end and, and, and like really fucked up the paradigm right? yeah really fucked up the paradigm so yeah listen to it if you like Lord of the
2: Rings or even if you don't and you just like us yeah everybody knows how to put a podcast on like one and a quarter speed at this point yeah. so even Go. if you're not super into Lord of the Rings but you saw it once like yeah. turn on you
1: know one yeah. and a half speed do some do your dishes uh, fold some laundry like some cooking I don't know whatever you're Like or maybe just sit outside if it's nice cause you know whatever you might like that movie and it, this could be fun Who Totally. Knows? yeah okay here it is So we are here with uh, Lucas Sloppy, who is the host of Fake Ritual Podcast, and he is going to be adding the uh, magical perspective to a
2: hopefully not boring talk about (laughs) Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's very timely episode of Lord of the Rings. Yeah,
1: very timely because <laughs> these are recent films that are fresh in the cultural memory
2: mm-hmm. and not
1: just something that we watched over the winter and decided that we wanted to
2: dissect. Right, which we you know could have possibly done straight after we watched the movies, but like a yeah. two, three months time in between is perfect.
1: We had to let it marinate. We yeah. had to think about, you know, these sort of like deep seated themes and mm. motifs. And really come up with a, a
2: crystal clear so interesting how brian will see deep things everywhere it's <laughs> like really huh? yeah okay i had all that means is that i'm not being critical enough of the that's world right around me.
1: that's right and we're here to promote anything it's critical theory yeah so that being said lucas what do you think about lord of the Rings? you're the only guy in this in this conversation that has read the books well hello hello uh, <laughs> yes, hello uh,
3: <laughs>
1: yeah how you doing man what's up
3: i'm doing good yeah just uh been thinking about lord of the rings a lot this week and trying to think of the political implications as well as just
1: you know the fun fantasy
3: yeah yeah i'm excited to dig in and hear what yens guys think
1: is lord of the rings like one of your favorite like sort of fantasy genres worlds
3: huh? It was one of the I fall into the category of people that tried to read the books a bunch as a kid and yeah. then couldn't. Can you try to read them
2: before the movies?
3: I think when the movies are coming out, I was like, oh, I can read the books. And a yeah,
2: yeah.
3: lot of words. Lot of words. Same. Dude, I just
2: I just watched a uh, never ending story. And in the opening scenes where he's in the attic, like, or he's, no, he's at the bookstore talking to the guy and he's like, I've read this and Lord of the Rings. And I was like, slow down, kid. You're like, how old you've read Lord of the Rings?
1: Yeah. Any book where there's like, uh, like fake languages and like, uh, like, like those biblical, like this person begat that person, this person. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I can't read it. So
3: just give me the movie. The key is I got the audio book from the library,
0: which was
3: done by some Shakespearean actor and he had a different voice for every character and it actually made it really really good and that's when i went wait these books are pretty incredible and J.R.R. Tolkien which is really hard to say without sounding like you're drunk was a wild dude that like did a pretty impressive thing
1: yeah i mean like he definitely went down a deep ass uh imagination rabbit hole i feel like that sort of like world building and like lore is kind of like becoming more commonplace with the sort of like IP properties and, and like mass media, like the Marvel expanded universe. Oh, like, yeah. Gosh. I
2: want you to create a universe in which you can create never ending properties yeah. so I can consume forever. Exactly. And
1: ever. I want a place that I can just go to and escape, mm-hmm. you know, and it's got some of my values. So like Lord of the Rings was kind of like, I guess one of the first examples of that, but before they really, I feel like maybe like the studio people and like, you know, the capitalist powers that be sort of like realized, how much money they could make off it. And they're catching up to it now because I think Amazon is like creating a Lord of the Rings, like live action, like television thing. And Tolkien would be rolling in his grave because I know he
3: and his son, uh, Christopher, that helped him with the books a lot, like make the books. They did not want it to ever be a movie. So never.
1: When did Tolkien die? Died. I'm looking at it here. uh, 73. Was that before or after the animated ones? I wonder how he felt about those because they were. That shitty. would have, I think that was just before.
2: No, those uh, rotoscope I cartoons. I just watched like clippings of those the other day. They're Ralph creepy. Bakshi, they're, they're so creepy. They're very but they're good. Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't like them. <laughs> they're boring. I think they're boring. Uh, I wonder if that's what made, sent them to an early grave. Could have, you know, could have. Yeah, we'll never know. My end of this was looking at like Tolkien's like personal politics and trying to see how that connects, like in the actual themes that are presented in. I guess, well, mostly the film, because we're going to be talking about the film mostly, which, like, there's some deviations, too, from the film and the the books. Like, uh, the the biggest one I've seen outlined, and you could probably confirm this or not, Lucas, was that, like, the books are very more focused on Frodo, and, like, Frodo's, like, internal journey, whereas the, the, yes. the, the movies are more about, like, Aragon. The big thing mm-hmm. is that each of the three books are
3: actually two books each, mm-hmm. and those books, when you read The Fellowship of the Ring, or maybe not Fellowship, but, like, in Two Towers, mm-hmm. the first half is just, like, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli out in Rohan or whatever. And then that ends, and then the second half of the book is Frodo and Sam. So, like, as opposed to the movies that give you, like, you know, yeah, interspersed, go back like, yeah. these characters this one you're just like with them and then there is a basically a huge cliffhanger because you have to read an entire book before you find out what happened with those characters so yeah just classic book style where i don't know it takes a lot longer and that's like
2: that's agonizing i'm still waiting for the third book in the uh king killer trilogy yeah uh the name of the name of the wind books this guy apparently has had this third book written for years and he just keeps revising it and editing it. And he just like, the book's written. I just need it to be like perfect. And it's been probably over like a decade that I've been waiting for the yeah. third book to what drop. What is with fantasy writers and just delaying that content, holding it back? Well, George R.R.
1: R. Martin, he still hasn't released that last one for <laughs> song fire ice, right? I think Tolkien probably uh set the set the bar for you. Yeah, right. Uh so back to Tolkien. Like there was a movie I think made pretty recently about his experiences in World War One and that how that like sort of like inspired him to write Lord of the Rings, namely like especially like the Mordor bits, uh, because being out there, like looking across no man's land from the trench. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it was pretty ghastly, fiery, dark, whatever. Jeez. And Tolkien's personal politics are kind of mercurial like he, he he never really like pins down and identifies concretely as, one thing or another but he does sort of at some points identify as an anarchist and then at other Mm -hmm. points he identifies as a monarchist which is a contradiction because you know a king is still a form of state and you know if you're an anarchist you're anti-state so that's a little weird but that actually in my opinion and just from the viewing the films like really comes across in the way he handles the ring and Aragon's story so i guess those are the two parallels that i'll be like focusing on the most
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I agree. Yeah. With what you're saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so basically, just to throw this out there and get the conversation rolling, the ring, the one ring to rule them all.
0: One, one ring to rule them
1: all. It's just sort of like this metaphor for power encapsulated, like total
2: power. And when it's oh, so what you're saying is like it's like the cops have the ring. And that's what they think in their head of just like absolute power. Kind of. I'm yeah. probably jumping the gun yeah, here. Yeah, maybe but a little bit. Yeah. That's probably where you're going to get That's why
1: I like Sauron. If if he's anything, he's just one big cop, mm. I guess. I don't know. I think Sauron was actually probably uh, like a direct metaphor for maybe like Germany or, or like some of the. Do you know when the books were written? Uh, I think how how far like, after World War II? He finished
3: Return of the King, uh, I think in
1: 49 or at least okay. in the 40s. So, yeah. yeah so like so yeah the the nazi regime was probably like on his mind too when he was like shaping that narrative out because like so on obviously it's like this the dark army like that's like the whole the whole vibe and what he does with absolute power in the form of this ring is to go out and subjugate the whole entire living world Mm -hmm. and then the as the ring the story begins in fellowship of the ring it gets you know the ring is lost and it's like lost for like two thousand years and then it's Chilling with uh, Gollum in a cave for like 500 or something before Bilbo gets it. And then, you know, the story begins when Bilbo hands it off, or not even hands it off, but kind of leaves it for Frodo. And then Gandalf recognizes what it is in the quest Mm -hmm. unfolds. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how it activates the main story mission. Right. What do you think about the idea that, like, this is one thing that I noted right away Sauron gets the ring. I'm going to conquer the world. the sealed door or whatever uh, doesn't want to throw the ring into the fire. He's like, nah, I'm going to use it. It's going to make Gondor a stronger, better place or whatever. Uh, and then he loses the ring. And then Gollum at this point, Sméagol, right, finds the ring. And the hobbits are like, to my view, like just basically an analogy for like the peasants and like the small folk. Like they literally call them
2: like the you know the small folk. So right. like the working class. They're, or they're all unassuming, and people will just be like hobbits. Who's thinking about Yeah, them?
1: exactly. Who's thinking about them? They're just out there, like, smoking their weed and, like, you know... They fucking love weed. They do love weed. Yeah. I mean, So my, many breakfasts.
2: What about
0: breakfast? I've already had it. What about second breakfast? Yeah, so many <laughs> that's breakfasts. Why. Like, wow. That's why. Wow. That is why. Yeah,
1: that's why they have, like, six meals, eight meals a day. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> so, like, these are, like, you know... The,
2: Barefoot hippies. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, like, what Gollum does when he gets, like, ultimate power... Is he just sits inside of a cave by himself and just sort of like admires (sighs) it. He literally does nothing with it.
2: Well, because a good hobbit would use the ring for the betterment of the Shire, but instead he covets the power. For himself
1: yeah or, or my maybe i mean my feeling was that more like this was like a bit of a contemptuous view that tolkien had for like working class and like common people was so that they don't know what to do with power whoa yeah like when they have it they've just like completely dumbstruck and like oh paralyzed and like not able to move other than their own sort of like maddening, like personal maddening with it. Sure. Yeah. It's okay. like a lot of inaction. None of the hobbits seem to want to do anything, you know? Like, he tries to offer it to Gandalf, he's like, no. He's like, I, c- I couldn't possibly be tempted. And it, the same thing with the elf queen in the woods, whose name is escaping my And she now. survived this trial. Yeah,
2: Gladriel. yeah. He offers it to her and she's like, no, I could never. Which was terrifying at it, first. I was not expecting that as a person a who did not read the books. Yeah.
0: Not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the
2: Everybody seems to either, like,
1: want this ring, like, men, the world of men, Boromir, you know, he's like, well, if I only had this shit, like... We can make Gondor great again, like all that kind of Whoa, stuff, right? Shit, uh, but elves, they know better, right? They know, like, I shouldn't have that because, like, it'll make me go crazy and I'll end up dominating wow, the world too. Wow.
2: Who are these elves supposed to represent with who, their superior intellect? Who are these elves supposed to represent?
1: You got any uh, theories on that one,
3: Lucas? <laughs> well, it's worth pointing out that as we're having this discussion... Tolkien many times said that he hated allegory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he it was. I love it. But he was for application. He thought hmm. that allegory was kind of the author foisting something upon the reader and was kind of, I mean, for lack of a better word, lame and boring, I guess, but he was all about application because he wanted to make something that would stand the test of time and would allow for exactly what we're doing right now, which is pretty cool to think that he wanted people to look at it, interpret it. Maybe this means this, maybe this means this. And he never wanted to be like, yeah, this is a direct, you know, want, you know, A equals B. He never wanted to do that, which I think is actually pretty cool of him to just, I don't know, see that you know art is to be interpreted yeah,
2: like leave it leave be, it
1: open you know for analysis yeah right? yeah
2: well with that podcast shut down this doesn't actually mean anything yeah
1: all right yeah let's <laughs> let's wrap it up close it up what's well, nice because
3: none of us are right none of us are wrong that's so. true
1: so that but, being said what did, what did you think the elves represent
2: <laughs> oh well, we still have to wait for his answer oh yeah man, wait
1: yeah <laughs>
3: well a takeaway for me and i'm just gonna i i can't claim credit to this. I was listening to, it's on the last podcast network. It's called Wizard and the Bruiser. It's just a nerd podcast. that's really popular, but they covered Lord of the Rings a while back. And a point that they made just kind of about the whole of the story that I thought was really profound and could apply to a political analysis was the fact that evil can only recognize evil while good's power is that it can recognize evil as well. Basically that the good guys in the story can see that the ring corrupts. So there they decide we must destroy this. But Sauron to the very end, or Sauron, to the very end, doesn't believe anyone. He cannot fathom the destruction of such power. So up until the very end, especially when Aragorn's going toe to toe with them, you know, at the gates of Mordor, he's like, Oh, well, this dude wouldn't be doing this if he didn't have the ring. So I'm going to focus here. Meanwhile, hobbits are up in Mount Doom destroying the ring. So it is interesting to see, yeah, that, you know, good's power is in that it can recognize evil. And evil's weakness is that it believes everyone is
2: evil. Oh, so Sauron and his army are Q in his base. Mm. (laughs) And they can't recognize what they're doing no you know they have to be like uh apparently they have to be what is it like deprogram these
1: people in in you like (laughs) what the fuck that is an interesting point what does it then go back to the hobbits and like because they don't really they don't really seem to have any opinion on the ring whatsoever like Gandalf is like we gotta destroy it and Frodo is just like okay and like Bilbo's been hanging out with it long enough that he you know he wants to keep it just for himself as like a little keepsake Hmm. same with like Smeagol Gollum you know But the elves, obviously, then if if good can recognize good, then the elves are good because they see the ring as a corrupting agent and they're like, I don't want I don't want to fuck with that. It's too risky. Men always think, you know, oh, I can tame it like I can handle it like I I can put this thing on and I can like. Use it for good reasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow, I don't know, how do the, the race of, think of the about
2: race it? of men are good guy cops who are just like, no, I can be on the force. And yeah, I can yeah, make yeah, a yeah, difference. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the race of men are just like you know, not all cops. You know, it just takes <laughs> it just takes the good ones to uh-huh. out the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. basically power
3: corrupts. That's yeah. kind of. If there is an allegory that could you know be against Tolkien's best wishes <laughs> uh, applied to the whole story, it's just <laughs> that that even with the best intentions people get the ring and they fuck up like they they want more power they even if they think they're going to do good with it because i think gandalf says that yeah you know when he tries to hand him the ring he's like i would try to do good stuff but like i'm too powerful already extra power
1: yeah one thing i learned through this watch through that i didn't know before because Jerome and I were like looking it up, but wizards aren't people. I didn't know they weren't people. Like They're like immortal more According experience. to the lore, yeah. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like angels. Yeah, they like just take the form of an old guy because they're like unassuming and stuff like that. Um, and we were trying to figure out if the colors, like different colors meant anything, <laughs> but they don't. It's just whatever, you know? Yeah, it was worth
3: pointing out that Tolkien was Catholic. Yeah. Like he converted while he was at Oxford. He converted, oh. which... Yeah, talking about him being an anarchist and then a monarchist, it's like, well, he's also Catholic, which like that doesn't really coincide with, goes up against those other two things as well. I mean, the British monarchy isn't exactly Catholic, they're Protestant. Yeah, but like it. He was a complicated dude. To yeah, say. There's,
1: there's a lot of contradictions, but I can actually see how uh, the being a devout Catholic would actually feed into like an upholding of like monarchy. Right. Sure. Uh, like the British. Divine um, right. Yeah. Divine right of kings, like that sort of like supreme pontiff kind of like vibe. And like, yeah, the British are not Catholics, but I mean, just a little history nugget, like they're not Catholics because of Henry VIII uh who wanted he was a king he kept kept wanting to remarry and the pope wouldn't grant him a divorce after x amount of attempts or whatever even though he kept like killing his wives and that's a way to do it yeah so finally the pope wouldn't give him a divorce uh, or like recognize it or something like that and like threatened him with like excommunication so he got together with a bunch of like the bishops and cardinals of england and was just basically like all right we're going to make a new church where instead of the pope being the spiritual head of it the english king will be the spiritual head of it and that's that gave rise to the anglican church which is almost identical in structure and a lot of like the rituals and stuff like that to catholicism with the exception of that the english monarch is the head of the church the spiritual head of the church oh that doesn't seem right yeah i mean he just made himself the boss basically so that that
2: seems awesome yeah
1: yeah, so the devout Catholicism and the monarchy tendencies, like, also kind. Of, I mean, the British people love their monarchs; like,
2: they they just love them. So I'm sure it's a I uh, when I graduated high school, my dad had just got a job with the State Department, and our first post was in the Philippines. And so I went there, and I'm hanging out with all these other uh, kids from different countries. Uh, who are living in the Philippines, or their parents are diplomats and all this kind of stuff. So we went on this little beach vacation, and everybody's doing temporary tattoos and stuff. And this one gag, it's like a giant God save the queen on his back. And like, <laughs> everyone's like, you're not serious. Sorry. And he's like, I'm dead fucking serious. Like, really meant something to him, whatever. And that was the first time I had seen like, American me. I was just like, God save the queen, what? Bro,
1: they're, Seriously? They're like, about that shit. When that good dude, Philip, the king, prince, yeah, prince Philip died. Bozo?
2: Yeah. I mean
1: he's like what Bozo? Everyone's calling him Boza. Right, whatever. I mean that like, fucking ghoul, cool, like that like, living fucking zombie pedophile that like, just kicked the bucket. He
2: was the he was the uh the that that one king that was possessed. Yeah, the, the yeah,
1: Grip of Worm Todd. <laughs> yes. like, hey, you want to fuck kids like all the time. He just died in the British uh like uh like London, the countryside, like all the billboards were just changed. To like his face, and oh as people are driving down, you're like looking at this fucking monster, <laughs> like illuminated on LED screens and shit. It was weird. Um, yeah. So, okay. So going back to like allegory and like, it's interesting that you said that Tolkien was very much against it. This is another thing that Jerome and I were like kind of analyzing. What's your take on like the difference in representation between? men who are clearly like western right like gondor rohan uh, all those other places versus like the men from the east who especially in the movies are represented as all people of color they're coming in on like the elephants or whatever and like these like very eastern looking boats eastern looking garbs and they are just completely ride or (laughs) die for sauron So I mean I don't know that that seems pretty allegorical to me. Middle Earth first, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) not even Middle Earth first. Like they're from some other fucking island and shit. Like I mean, is
3: racism allegory? Yeah, I just be like straight up like I don't know. Like I've been in war, so like I'm you know extra racist because that's. how they point us where they need to point us, you know? Children.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, like culturally for British people, it is very hard to escape racism. They, yeah, lo- they is man. love it. Yeah. And he
3: yeah. was a man of his times, so I guess. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Coming out of, uh, you know, that sort of like end of the British Imperial era uh, going into like World War II when he was writing those books. I mean, he, I'm sure he was like literally reflecting on like the sun setting on the British Empire, you know? Yeah. As their colonial possessions became like more and more in jeopardy, and it was looking like by the end of World War II that they had to give a lot of them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said forty nine was when the first book, like th- or the the third book, third, third book. book. All right. it, okay, they yes. finished the
3: series in the, in the late forties, I think.
1: And coincidentally enough, the third book, if it's coming out, coming out in forty nine, that's going to be happening while the Indian independence movement is like in full swing. The Communist Party of China is winning their civil war uh, and like taking power over there. So there's a lot of like Eastern anxieties that's happening in like Western culture at that time that I think are coming through, obviously, in the text. Right. But it's also curious that uh, and this is just consistent with like Western culture that Peter Jackson decided to still run with that representation, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like like 60 years later. It's like we're still going to represent it in the same way. They even try to tweak it. So yeah, I mean that—that's another thing that I struck. It's—it's kind of hard to pin down because, like, I think Tolkien has like you know danced around it, like avoided answering that question directly. Be like, no, it's not. You're racist for even thinking that, or like. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. When you were researching for this podcast, like, did you find anything like talking about that
3: at all? I didn't. I just kind of was trying to ride that line between. I knew. You guys had the political, <laughs> so I was like, "Ah, I'll, I'll try fill in the other guys." Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring at least, yeah, more the lore and the, the you wrong, know that yeah. aspect of it.
1: Let then let's. I guess maybe just go in like movie by movie, how that impacted our real world versus like what was being shown to us. Sure. On the screen, yeah. Um, how old were you when the movies came out? When did movie, been... when did the first movie come out? 2001 2001 that makes sense i was i was working
2: at the movie theater and i remember my dad came to the theater because since i worked there they were getting free tickets all the time and so uh my dad is traditionally like action movies drama that kind of stuff nothing else so i think honestly i think lord of the rings might have been like the first fantasy movie he ever saw and then when it ended at the end and he was just like I just sat through three hours and it's not even finished yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember thinking that, like when well, my first consumption of this is like, how long is this fucking book that it's got to be made into like three three-hour movies? Uh-huh. You know? Uh, I and mean, I do remember this is the first major motion picture in a while that like fully embraced the the fantasy genre. Um, uh-huh. like prior to that, like you know, you could think of like you could point to like Willow, maybe or like some of
2: those like and that i don't even think properties that's not a kind of thing that that ha- that everyone accessed mm-hmm. at all no
1: that's a cult classic you know that's like something that people came like revisited or like had a, like a collected following like back in the day but even still that was like back in the 80s Right. you know and there was like this whole like decade where like fantasy just wasn't that when that popping like in american culture
2: you then, had you had like tv shows sure but not like any kind of big big blockbuster movies yeah yeah so this was like uh sort of like
1: even though it's like a classic sort of like western literary property it, it's something that i think maybe they still took a gamble with when they were like producing and then like saw that it was paying off and they're like oh, this works and then it, it shaped like the culture like after that because without i think it's safe to say like without the success of lord of the rings like we don't have game of thrones you don't um, have Harry Potter. Yeah, we don't like, have Harry Potter. Like yeah. We don't have any of this shit. So it sort of like brought this back into it, um, which is actually like kind of convenient too, because if there's one thing that like Americans love, it's like a good fucking straightforward, like good versus evil, Maneki mm-hmm. kind of worldview story. Mm-hmm. And that's what Lord of the Rings, like at least in the films provides. Now you've read the books, like is it more nuanced? Like is there more of like a sort of like balanced understanding between these forces are at play?
3: There is another overarching theme you get is that nothing evil starts out as evil. I think Elrond says it at one point that Mm. all evil comes from a corruption of good. So Mm. I guess you could consider that a nuance that it's not viewed as just, oh, evil is something that exists unto itself. It's viewed as like a, I mean, yeah, like a turning away from God is probably how, you know, Tolkien would have meant it because yeah you have like the the ring wraiths are were formerly meant kings of men the orcs are like they were formerly elves that were like you know crossbred or something there's some weird way they became orcs and i think he even says like sauron elrond says like even sauron wasn't bad in the beginning so i mean there's a nuance at least in that but as far as what needs to be done it really is like are you for sauron or are you against him right you know, it's kind of and even people like the Riders of rohan yeah. have to decide it's like what are you doing you know so it is good versus evil but i think just being you know like any book especially a thick-ass book like these ones there's more to take away yeah a, bo- a movie's kind of just like good guys bad guys and of course straight know, <laughs> even just a passage you're like whoa this could wow this could mean so many different things you know yeah you could, take it as an excerpt and be like wow this is just a beautiful bit of prose or whatever so i feel like that's mean, why i didn't want it to be made into a yeah that's because yeah. He's gonna lose all my shit that but here. he
2: didn't see all the merchandising that came with it all the cool <laughs> yeah, burger if king only, stuff if only he could have got a cut oh that check if he could have <laughs> yeah. got one of those burger king mugs with like the Everything, everything about the merchandising, once again, I worked at the theater when the first movie came out and right around the corner from the theater was a Burger King. So like anytime a movie came out, my memory is just associated with the the merchandising that came with it because we were eating all of our breaks right at that burger king and uh just seeing you know when the by the time the second movie came out seeing people come into the theater dressed in like cloaks and stuff like that (laughs) and like just the the applause breaks because i didn't didn't see any of the original star wars and nobody liked the (laughs) the movies that came afterwards but lord of the rings was the first time that i saw a theater like everybody felt it that whole theater With their entire bodies was just like, this was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And so like, to experience that and to know that, yeah, it was the first time in my life that I was just like, yo, this, this is a big movie. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think the reason why it landed, right. The reason why that franchise hit at that particular moment in time was because like we're kicking off the war on terror, like in that particular moment, you know, once again, the American political system is sort of like framing the world in this like good versus evil dichotomy, you know, terrorists are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, America is good. And that gets to be sort of like imposed onto the story of Lord of the Rings. And then like, you know, that's even like reinforced, reinforced cosmetically with like the depiction of the guys like the men the race of men who were on Sauron's side and all that mm. kind of shit you know it is that still that orientalist sort of like eastern eastern dread that they're portrayed so i guess well, out of the three like gauntlet legend characters that you get the dwarf the elf and aragon in the books, are they flushed out more? Because Gimli and Legolas in Ooh. the movies are super flat.
2: All they have is their, their their battle between each other of like who gets more points. That's yeah, literally, that's
1: it. it. And Legolas is like his whole thing is he just looks at stuff. <laughs> like every time I mean, they show that guy, Legolas, he's just like,
2: what do your elf
1: eyes? Yeah, see? they literally say that, like, what do your elf eyes see? Like,
3: oh, some footprints over there. And then I guess it. if anything, it's not like their backstory is revealed, but it it's really played up they're beginning racial hatred towards one another because oh, are, are. elves hate dwarves and oh, dwarves shit. hate elves, but their friendship as it goes along yeah, in the book really fucking hits. Like whenever I, I, they're at the Helm's deep and yeah. they're like, Going at it. Oh, how many you got? I myself am sitting pretty on 43.
1: In the book, you're like, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And there's that, (laughs) that, 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 friends, the moment from the Helm's Deep battle that's like a meme now. Where it's like, I never thought I'd die, like, by side by side, my <laughs> yeah. elf. He's like, How about yeah. a friend? Yeah. You know? And they're like, That's a that's like
2: literally a meme. In the movie, you know, there's some sort of like antagonistic shit between them. <laughs> Brian, do you even do fantasy? It's like, it's like this guy doesn't know that werewolves and like, like, uh, vampires don't like each other. No, one. I don't know that. I didn't know. <laughs> I like, but I think elves and dwarves can never get along. Well,
1: I didn't know it was as, as explored or explained as it is in the text, apparently, because like, I never read the books. I'm not fucking, you know.
2: This is just com- yeah. this is just in, uh, it's, it's common knowledge in the fantasy it's, realm, but that's what we're here to learn. Yeah, D and D, it's the I, same. There's I, a lot of there
3: is, like in Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, yeah. it's basically just taken from the Tolkien world, and it's like yeah, elves and dwarves just automatically.
2: Oh wait, so so Dungeons and Dragons was a rip of Lord of the Rings?
3: I mean, guy, yeah, Gary Gygax definitely
2: was a huge Lord of the Rings fan,
3: and. That's where kind of any modern day sword and sorcery stuff. If you don't have Tolkien, you don't have any of it.
2: Where does um Lovecraft come into this entire like timeline and like influence?
3: I mean, he would have been what he was writing in like the I guess, way, yeah. yeah,
1: kind of a contemporary,
3: was was he?
1: Yeah. I mean he he I think he um predated uh Tolkien by maybe like a decade but or so. Wasn't he not popular?
3: so after he died or am i thinking of yes he wasn't he wasn't that
1: popular until after he died okay yeah, yeah. Um, and he
3: was definitely racist oh super, super racist Tolkien. <laughs> okay, we can yeah i'm like oh yeah, well the he, elf the elf yeah. uh dwarf
1: thing maybe he at
2: least at least he some created some new sort of races like, to be yeah, racist yeah, against yeah, yeah, each other yeah.
1: lovecraft was uh you know explicitly racist in the way that only an american can be
3: mm-hmm. like only an American racist. that. Only yeah. an American that hold up in his attic. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Imagine the basement dwelling, like yeah, would racist if, now. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, I was going to say, if the was alive today, he would be posting on like eight chan with some like crazy oh, race, yeah. race theory that he like wrote down that afternoon <laughs> or something like that. Uh, Tolkien was a little bit more like you know hinting at it, and definitely didn't wasn't a belief system that he wanted to cop to publicly um yeah he was an
3: academic so he just yeah. had a lot more like oh you know ways of probably defending you know he just thought of things in really complicated like
2: he had a whole yeah. elven language to build he didn't have time for, for yeah. race relations and yeah real his world. philologist
3: ass that's yeah. kind of worth uh learning for tolkien he was a philologist which is yeah it sounds like an insult but it's just a language study
1: oh. Here. oh oh yeah yeah right. was, I, I think it was that i found
3: out at age four he learned to read and then i think by like age seven he could speak latin
1: holy shit was yeah he, he, was he like a super loved genius?
3: languages Man. he just loved languages i think his mom got him into it and then he was creating i think he had a, some cousins or something that made up a language and then he started like joining into that. I actually used to play D with a dude that was super into languages and was working on the side on his own little little language which is oh, just man. Like, cool but yeah. i don't know how you do that what is the point <laughs> of that too um, are you going to
1: go out and like hope it catches on with other people it's like hey here's a language that i invented i know the one we're using right now is pretty good but
2: well okay for well for this person who's creating it now like if you're looking to create your own world and and hope that your creations like sticks and maybe catches on it's just like oh tight you like what i got i also got a whole fucking language for you yeah. but, like I guess back whenever he wrote these books or whenever he was four to seven and stuff, what the fuck else was there to do except for to like <laughs> imagine it's true. and yeah. create a language. You, you
1: literally just are going to
3: live in your imagination for yeah. most of your life. Yeah. yeah. Worth pointing out too that before Lord of the Rings, there were some books that did it, but this was the big one that all other fantasy books were the normal world. Mm-hmm. And then there was a fantasy world. You know, mm-hmm. it established the normal world, fantasy world was within that being a weird place this was one of the first big books and especially yeah. like so epic that was like no all whoa all fake all fake all fake world so
1: did, <laughs> did the chronicles of narnia also predate uh lord of the rings no, they were i mean they
3: were homies they they were, they were. In the inklings at oxford they the inklings was like a fantasy basically uh anime club yeah for fantasy at oxford and c.s yeah. lewis they'd get drunk and share stories and now it's like, now c.s
2: lewis must have diverged and actually was just like sure 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 i'll take all the allegories over here i'll do all he, that yeah, stuff. yeah he was a little more straight, i'm gonna make the, also the his the is line
3: narnia is a they get to it from the real world right. exactly yes. the wardrobe so there's no you know it's, so it's cool. a weird
2: That's place so cool. in
1: the normal world isn't, and isn't also within the Narnia lore, isn't there also, like, anxiety about men from the East? Oh, the is, uh,
2: the whole book of, the whole, the s- da- Dawn Treader, right? Is voiced the Dawn the Treader that. Shay, yeah, yeah, there's the,
3: uh, the, I forget, it begins with a C, because I, K- I read. The Kalermans. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 C.S. Lewis is another complicated figure, because he's actually the reason I got out of Christianity, oddly oh, enough, no. because... I appreciated his philosophical take on it. It seemed less like Bible thumpy and more like, hmm, you ever think about this? Like mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's at the very the last book of Narnia, one of those men from the East who basically just read as Muslim, mm-hmm. uh, Aslan shows up and he says that. You know, the other people are like, this guy can't get into heaven. Basically, he's like, this guy can't get into heaven because he didn't worship you. He worshiped this other God. But then Aslan's like, no, in the way he worshiped, he was worshiping me. So he gets in, which I actually thought was like, oh, wow. Like, I remember reading that and being like, yeah, that's not what I was told in church. Like, that differed from my upbringing. It was always like, no, unless you're a Jesus Christian that is born again. You don't get in. And that's when I was like, oh, that's actually like, so
1: yeah. I think Aslan,
2: probably... Aslan had it going on.
1: Yeah. There was also a greater sense of like uh, pluralism, like back in the day, like for, mm. for the, the monotheistic religions um, with, with the exception of like, you know, Jewish people on occasion. Uh, but like they had, they had a, a, a more sort of like clear understanding that all of these faiths like shared common roots and stuff and like it, that.
3: I think it speaks at least to a degree, you know, you can get into what college and universities teach you and how they inundate you with certain ideas. But at least for me, I mean, I took a world religions class in college and was like, Oh, Oh wait. Okay. Like, I think these are all kind of pointing at the same thing. It like opened my mind. So there's something to be said of just being educated, especially like Oxford educated. It's just a lot harder to be like, or at least it appears to be with these two. Like Mm -hmm. it's harder to just be like, No, those are evil, and this is good. You know, you, you know, college, at least if it teaches you anything, that it's like the interconnectedness of ideas, and that nothing is as simple as just like good and evil, or, you know, you have to reconcile nuance
1: yeah. yeah it's dialectics right. is that is, the, is yes. the idea that that everything is is uh you know constantly correlating with each other interacting with each mm-hmm. other uh in that like, that's what okay that's what that word i listened that's to what last that, that's so what it that, that like, word means yep, that's dial- it. yeah dialectics. at first i was like
3: did he say dianetics no was like, uh, <laughs> i was like is brian a low-key scientologist, <laughs> <The> scientologist? <laughs>
1: oh, oh man yeah that, damn. <laughs> If only that's got I me. Mean, that's I feel like Scientology is probably inspired by Lord of the Rings too. You know, you know the fucking alien emperor buried no. in a volcano and whatnot.
2: And, so the Mormonism yeah. too, maybe which came first?
1: Oh uh, yeah, Mormonism came way
3: before. Plus, you get to well, just but just Scientology and Mormonism, you just yeah. are both failed writers, basically. Ooh. That, Ooh. You know, we're just like. uh
1: I guess I'll just like, damn, dude. So what cult. if what if like Tolkien like <laughs> didn't yeah, have any whoa. success, right? And was just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna start a cult." It could have happened.
2: Yeah. And the whoa. different levels yeah. that you are within the cult are like you're now a dwarf. You started at the bottom, yeah. <laughs> and you build up to become an elf. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there yeah,
3: well, like. Thank, yeah, thank uh his Catholic God that yeah. It's you know, <laughs> like cool. I'm glad you were successful, man. Cause that talk about power corrupting, like that imagination applied to like an egotistical endeavor. Yeah. Pretty fucking dangerous.
2: There was there was a there was probably a point in the height of Game of Thrones where uh if what's his face wanted to just be like you know what i'm not i'm not gonna finish this i'm just gonna start a religion right now yeah and the amount of people who name their kid Daenerys and stuff like that i'd be like fine let's go yeah
3: let's go ahead and it's do just, this could still being a successful it. author though gets you money so it, if you're yeah. a failed author you got to find a different way to get money That's which,
1: right. start a religion like, come up with a, a, different, <laughs> a different hustle tax-free huh yes uh so I like let's talk about the actual like story of Lord of the Rings uh itself and then like come back to this question that I asked at the beginning of this like talk is why the fuck don't the hobbits seem to know what to do with the ring or care to do anything with the ring other than what someone else tells them and then like let's let's the overall theme which I want to maybe try if we can connect to tolkien's like ideas about anarchy because i mean the overall theme is to destroy the ring and go to destroy power power. Hmm. and to just like level that sort of like playing field so i guess let's start simple question what's what was your favorite movie out of the trilogy i'm always
3: like it's just like with star wars i like the first one
1: yeah i'm I'm a big fan of helms deep i like like two towers the second one well also like star wars because i think empires. i just love the shire Yeah, I love like parochial fucking. I'm like (laughs) rolling hills. I'm
3: like man. I I saw the Shire. That's like a nice place. And you're talking about uh, what the what the hobbits. You know why don't they know about the ring, or why doesn't it corrupt them? And in doing the research, some I someone pointed out to me that the Shire is there's no governing body in the Shire. There's no state of the Shire. Yeah. They're basically, in a sense, anarchists. Yeah. They're and like, and friends
2: choose to. Oh, don't call them that. I hate them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: But you could even, you know, you could argue that maybe that's their inability to be corrupted by the ring, at least to the extent of everyone else, maybe comes from their disavowing of hierarchical yeah. structures so they see. It and they're like, yeah, yeah. Like, what am I going to do that's... with us? Yeah. yeah. They don't and like they don't power.
1: Have... Who care You know, yeah. like, They don't have what they don't have a state like they don't have a state to expand or like increase the power of so like what would be the point of even like using this ring. Might also be foot power though, too, because like yeah. feet are a lot bigger than their hands. So maybe <laughs> if it was a
3: foot ring. Yeah.
1: yeah, a toe yeah. Ring. If it was a toe ring, it'd be a, it was a toe, toe ring. ring. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, so the individual hobbits like that acquire the ring, right? Like, you know, Smeagol didn't go out and like conquer the rest of the Shire under his banner or anything like that. Uh, he just, just like, killed that dude. Yeah. Yeah. He just killed the one dude so he could have it. And then he spent the rest of his life just sort of like staring at it, almost as if he was like, trying to comprehend it you know mm-hmm. what I mean? yeah but like, it just like couldn't get there it just escaped them so it just became this like object of obsession for him uh and like that's interesting that you, you connected it to like the social structure of the shire because I, I hadn't done that before and i just thought i just thought the general treatment of how hobbits handle the ring when they get it in the movie was just tolkien like showing his contempt for mm-hmm. lower class people uh is like these idiots don't know what to do unless they have a fucking like leader telling them
2: what to do. Yeah. But it's but it's more of their just disinterest yeah. of, with with the idea of power or seeking it out. Just
3: pushing back against that, I would say I just know that the Shire was based on where Tolkien grew up. Like countryside so, England. Yeah. So yeah. if anything, I mean he I think he just especially in the books, it's, it almost reads like he fucking loves the hobbits. Like he yeah. thinks they're the key to like, you know winning the the entire battle
2: Uh, wow that's great it's almost like uh oof it's almost like they come with like i don't know uh negative corruption where yeah yeah it's (laughs) harder to corrupt them so he's just like oh well these guys are perfect super high wisdom higher fucking thing yeah Yeah. because they won't get corrupted so easily but
1: they win the battle and they save the world not by like using this ring's power They, Mm. they use it just because they're unaffected by it. they're unimpressed enough that they're willing to just <laughs> toss it in lava and just like forget about it.
2: I mean uh, Frodo definitely feels the effects yeah, of it. Yeah.
1: He feels it, but
2: I feel like if it wasn't for the overwhelmingly good power of Sam to be yeah, there for him, you know. But uh,
1: isn't it when like Frodo gets his like weird moments with the ring, isn't it more like Sauron is just like speaking to him too loud and like put on the ring, put on the rings so like a fine mm.
0: kind
1: of thing. He's not really doing it for himself. He's, True. You know, he's doing it because like this huge glowing eye in his head is just like, put the fucking thing on.
3: Yeah. Because a lot of the time in the book, it would just be straight up. He didn't realize he put it on. Right. Like next thing he knew, it's just on. He's invisible. And like this eye is fucking staring at him. The way they write, it's dope, too, because like they show it in the movie just by like. Intercutting like the eye in the tower, but like the way it's written is like almost a psychedelic trip, you know? Like he's like, Oh, he sees everything and like it's all rushing at him. And then there's the eye, it sees
1: everything. And like he's
3: getting pretty fucking horrifying.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. So, we got this one track, right? Where like the hobbits have the ring. They get the quest, like they're going to Mordor to throw it in the fucking fires of the volcano and destroy it forever. So like they're on this mission to sort of like, you know, just completely eradicate uh, that sort of dominating evil power from like the world itself. The other mission, the other track is Aragorn, who's i mean he's helping frodo but he's helping frodo in the sense that he's just he's trying to like you know he's got to recognize his rightful place as the ruler of men and like reassume uh his responsibilities as the sovereign of gondor and therefore you know like the uh like big dick in the world of middle earth like in terms of the kingdom of men because they they keep saying that gondor is like sort of like the most important one Mm -hmm. is that that correct like from the book lucas oh yeah he's the the yeah, he's the wielder. He's like the only one who can. Yeah, he's like the uh, the heir. Yeah, he's got that. He's the heir Asildur, of sealed yeah. door, right? The guy who, yeah. who stops on the first time. So he's like big shit important. So it's it's interesting that there's these like these, these parallel stories that are sort of like moving in contradictory directions. Like one is trying to get rid of power, and one's essentially trying to you know claim it again, which falls in line with Tolkien being both an anarchist and a monarchist Mm, too mm -hmm. right so it's like Gondor is in terms of his representation in the film and I'm sure it's the same way or not Gondor Aragon in terms of uh, his reputation in the film I'm sure it's the same way in the book but correct me if I'm wrong he's like the ideal sort of monarch he's like the philosopher king you know yeah. First, I will
3: just to save you the trouble of people emailing you or whatever to correct you. It is Eric Gorn. So yeah. that way, now all the all the people that are like, "Oh man, I'm gonna write that man. I'm gonna correct his." I ass. think it would no, just be they can't you. do that anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll save it for like the one person that might have gotten mad enough to. Yeah,
3: I, you have so many listeners.
1: Yeah, we have. <laughs> we have <laughs> rising up the iTunes chart for sure. But he
3: definitely is. Uh, I mean, I kind of see him too. He's like a reluctant king. I mean, sure. he's right. definitely like supposed and, to read like Jesus, where yeah. it's kind of just like, and like, oh, we're, we're talking
2: humbled.
1: like Socrates, the Plato, like all those motherfuckers said. You know, the best quality of a leader is someone who's reluctant to lead, right? Because that mm. means he's not going to like do anything
3: crazy with it. Yeah, yeah. You know? That uh, that Tolkien quote I sent yeah. you. What is it? I have it here. The He's. I think he. This was in a letter to his son. I think Mm -hmm. he might have wrote, and I think this is after he was a an officer, a commander in World War One, and it's kind of where he learned. Like, I don't really like being in charge of people. And Uh, he said in the letter, "The most improper job of any man, even saints, is bossing other men. Not one in a million is fit for it, and least of all those who seek the opportunity." And And that is the most anarchist-like. Yeah, he likes kings yeah i think it was there's a lot of nationalism there too and i mean we can shit on nationalism but if if it was world war one and i was in england like i can't act like i'd just be like down with you know the oh yeah yeah the monarchy i i might be a little more questioning but
2: like
1: the
3: most anti-nationalist person at the time was probably still like
1: well <laughs> I, I think what else you got I mean, yeah i think that's probably fair nationalism is comforting to a lot of people in crisis and also sort of like power it's more about like how you use it because like the soviets uh the chinese communist party like they all appealed to nationalism too but through a socialist context so it was not uh, you know it wasn't saber rattling it wasn't like it was like we're gonna fucking work together and make this society like great. And we're going to do it as russians or we're going to do it as chinese like or we do it as hobbits, yeah, or we're going to do it as hobbits yeah. Yeah,
3: right yeah mm-hmm. right?
1: he he initially the
3: before he did the lord of the rings he had a, it began as him trying to write a mythology for england no because shit. of like all the norman invasions and everything he felt that there was just a lacking of english mythology there was scottish there was welsh and you know a lot of like what was known as English mythology was actually like French or Swedish and everything. So at first he was trying to write, like, because he loved England so much, he was trying to write a mythology and then it sort of became this, which is why with Lord of the Rings, you do get that vibe of like, it feels like allegory or it feels like how myth exists to teach you a lesson to tell you something, but it's all
1: code. Yeah. I mean, he hated allegory. Yeah, it is so funny. Yeah, there's yeah. so many <laughs> quotes of them just being like, "No." It reminds
3: me of David Lynch. Any interview with David Lynch about, it, and someone's like, "Well, what does this movie mean?" And he's like, "What? No, it's watch it. That's yeah. it. That's, that's, that's how
2: I feel about
3: the meaning. That's it. I'm not. T- what do you? What are you asking me that for?" And I. That's the way I mean, that I approach I
2: most it. of the art that I've done. Like I. Only like a handful of times, like at an art show, has anybody asked me like, oh, what does this mean? And I almost want to look at him like, are we not looking at the same thing? <laughs> because it's pretty simple. It's a thing writing a thing. Yeah, That's it, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm.
1: Now, me, on the other hand, I love <laughs> subtext. I love, <laughs> I love I love looking for the fucking ideal, latent ideological content in almost every cultural creation that's out there because I believe that it exists. And I'm like, I'm sure Tolkien wouldn't be, you know, like you said, wouldn't be very happy with this podcast right now. <laughs> a, or maybe he would, but like in trying to insert meaning into his text or whatever. He'd just be mad at your mispronouncing of Aragorn. Yeah, yeah. He, he did work hard on that shit. Yeah, he should
3: probably take the time yeah. to get it right. He said, uh, it, there was another quote, interestingly enough, he always said he started with a name. He would start with a name. That's so cool. And then fill the character. <laughs>
1: yeah, what a dork. <laughs> Imagine
3: Aragorn would have been, yeah, way different
2: character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that's the dragon book. So that's why it's important to get the name right. Yeah, yeah like what dragon? aragon is a series of oh, books about yeah. a dragon and oh, so
0: yeah
3: yeah so man this I'll, is such a nerdy podcast I'm glad. it is yeah it's not properties you guys last episode I was like uh, I don't know I listened to it today like, <laughs> uh, I hope I like I, I hope I don't like nerdify it too much. No, I,
1: know, well, I, I mean yeah we're talking about Lord of the Rings like, Please, I have to not like nerdify it. Anymore? I have
2: to hold back my dorkiness most of the time because I'm the like, this is a serious thing so like yeah. just be serious.
1: Yeah, so now we just get to talk about uh, you know a fictional world and we can make as many jokes as we want. Mm-hmm. Well can I, just on that note real quick can we just do a quick roundtable
3: of like a scene that we think is badass? Oh so, sure, from, yeah. Like being meaningful. I'll just start whenever yeah. fucking Legolas does that thing where he stabs a dude with the arrow oh, and yeah. then shoots it. Yeah, then, like oh same arrow. Immedi- that was,
0: yeah, that, that, like, cool. that's so cool.
3: That
2: was but, a good moment. Um, Jerome, you want to go? Uh, I think the, the the horse water summoning spell was probably one of my favorite oh, moments. Oh, oh, I didn't God. see that coming. If you want him, come and claim him, and all that shit, man. Oof.
1: Yeah, that, she got me with that. That's yeah, it that was a pretty good one. I really liked the "Look to the east, and I'll be there" moment in mm. Two Towers, where like Gandalf shows up with the rest of the Riders of Rohan, and they just fucking book down that like steep ass hill and just wipe out the rest of that army. Okay,
2: okay, okay. Oh, yeah. We we had a question about this. Yeah, fly, you fools! Is he telling ah. them, "Hey, you dummies, just fly to Mordor," and they just don't? Understand what he's saying? Yeah. Is that it?
3: Have you ever heard this? Thing? Do you mean fly as in like literally fly? Yeah.
2: Because Maybe he was. Well, I think he's them. just because
3: he says that in Moria, so they're in like caves. Yeah. So I really think he's just basically saying like, get the fuck out of here! Like I'm a wizard, and this Balrog just like I killed it, but yeah. it still got me. So
1: yeah. Like, so so there's there's a, a popular internet theory that like what he actually meant when he said fly, you fools. Was to go find the fucking eagles and just fly <laughs> yeah. to Mordor. Because that's what he was going to do. Like, he says that, I think, before they go into Moria. He's like, we need to get to the eagles and the eagles will take us the rest of the way. Uh, so, like, when he says that very specific <laughs> phrase, the flying fierce, I day. was trying In to look, like too. He says the same thing. I was yeah. trying
2: to, like, look for the placement of the comma. I was just like, oh, maybe if it's here, then that, that reinforces <laughs> the fact that he means, like, no. But I mean, it would be fun if years later you just find out that yeah Gandalf absolutely was just like fuck I didn't have time to say fly to with the eagles I just said fly and like that was it
1: yeah oh okay so like again before we circle back to the ultimate question like of what the fuck were the hobbits doing with the ring and like why didn't it work with them like the the other themes that we thought were there or like saw like kind of like in the subtext one the rock vibe with sam and frodo is that present in the book and what is that
3: reflecting? anything uh, in the book in the book sam reads way different i hate he's not pansexual
2: king sam
3: no it's just i mean it could be interpreted that way but it really just feels like he in the book and just how literature can do this better Mm -hmm. it feels like he's just represents home He's always bringing Um, up, like, in the book, he just kind of keeps reminding you. Basically, he's just the Shire. Yeah. Since you don't get to be in the Shire till the very end when it's all fucking corrupted and, like, industrialized. Yeah. Like, you, Sam just exists to kind of be like, man, like, we'd be back in the Shire and it'd be chill. So, I think it almost works as an audience. You just see Sam. Like, in the book, I was like, fuck yeah, I like Sam. Like, Uh, no offense to Sam Aston, but... (laughs) Sean Aston, um, but yeah. like I hated
1: his like You hated
2: movie. him. Jerome was, his... was
1: in love with him. Jerome was like, if I could if I could find that.
2: <laughs> sure, I mean, d- there is, there's just, just something about it like cringing on, re- on reflection. You're just like <laughs> okay well you know i'm easily changeable cringy yes absolutely if i'm on a mission and there's somebody who's just like yeah but let's just go home let's just go just like dude i have to put this ring in the thing stop asking me to go home i told you already like i'm over that plan but no mister he he ate all our bread Yeah. yeah this guy is the only one that's taking us to where we how we need to finish the mission yeah 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 i
1: mean but you know Gollum
2: was, but then he, he picks was, him up or he whatever, was conspired. right? That
1: one scene, he's like, yeah, yeah, he carries him up the like up the hill or whatever. Oh, wow, well,
2: right, right? Yeah, at some
1: point, yeah, yeah, he's like, it I made, got
3: you, Mr. Frodo,
1: right? Yeah, I and mean, that's like, that's like the whole energy between them and the entire film, you know. And then, like, after it's all said and done, Sam just goes and like gets a wife and like has a normal ass life. And like, Frodo is yeah. like PTSD, you know, has <laughs> got to <laughs> go to the island of the elves yeah. and shit and like can't handle it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, him just being home, I guess, is is a pretty good allegory, right? Because yeah. that, that's what he does at the end of the film. He just resumes the shape of home, you know, home life, like a family in the Shire, you know, making more hobbits, like blah blah blah.
2: Dang that that. that <clears throat> how would I, how would I feel as Sam? Like I, I helped you out this whole thing, and then at the end of it, you go off to live with. The, I guess Sam has no interest in anything beyond the Shire. He has no interest mm-hmm. in living with the elves and going to do this stuff because 3D, yeah. I'm just like, no, no, I just saw this fantastic yeah. stuff. There's no way I'm going back to he's just like, No, no, no. Yeah. I just want a wife and kids.
1: And to be fair, because well, like what you were saying, who could blame them? Like if it's like a, a not, you know, like a totally like utopian society where there's no like state at rest, whatever. And you just get to like, Smoke weed and fish like all day. Like, what's what not
3: to like about well? I haven't read the third book, I haven't read Return of the King, but I've been told that it ends, and I don't think this is in the movie. They go back to the Shire and it's fucking like industrialized, like it's gone. It has been like machines have arrived, it is it is. Done, no, like,
2: shit. which, man, like, what he saw in the that, premonition, like, what?
1: yeah, that's like, how, that's like what that? he, how he saw it in the premonition. Yes, you know? that's what actually happens.
2: Look at look at that. America needs I'm like, oh, oh, the America needing, like, oh yeah. man, and the endings for this stuff instead of just letting it be what it was. That's during true. war, war ravaged the whole world, mm, right. and wow. it came to this town, yeah. and it, they changed everything as they a result. But America was just like, nah, I don't think we can, I don't think we can put people through nine hours of yeah. movies, and then it'd be sad.
1: This idyllic little farm town is now looking like industrial London or whatever because I, I do remember reading that when I was reading about Tolkien that he had a lot of anxiety about industrial mm-hmm. did not like it like definitely on on the fucking like green side of things uh in terms of like what he preferred to see mm. and how he how he thought society should like be arranged um and which I mean I can't you know can't really blame him like uh industrialized London like back in that era was a a, a dark like, it was like like Pittsburgh would have been like, you know, back in the 40s, oh, you know, just sure. like pollution in the air, like open fires and like melting coal and shit just all around you. Um, so, yeah, not probably kind of hellish to look at. Damn.
2: So did Sam get back and say, like, I wish I went with Mr. Frodo with the elves? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got to read it again. I haven't read that
3: the third too. one because I got to get the audio book and I got to right. like, because <laughs> I cannot
1: just read it (laughs) yeah so i mean that's kind of crazy then because that, like that that changes my sort of understanding of like because like that definitely sort of solidifies the fact that like the hobbits are supposed to be like you know the proletariat like working class kind of folks like peasantry because they go from uh an agrarian like society to an industrialized one by the end of the book that's left out of the movie for you know whatever reason i'm sure there's a lot of different answers to that question you know offhand, if that industrialization was sort of like imposed on them or if that's something that they went and did themselves
3: i don't know offhand i am wondering like just trying to guess like what the hobbits would right because industrial but-
1: industrialization means you're increasing your productive forces and you're either going to be doing that because like your population is expanding and demand has increased or because you know a capitalist is wanting profit and is telling you to do it <clears throat> to create profit. Right, so if if the hobbits were always inevitably going to industrialize, then one of them would have probably wanted the ring, right? In a way, maybe it's like talk
3: about an allegory. Maybe like the you know, it's almost like Sam represents the the truest of the hobbits. You know, right. he just likes the simple
0: yeah. like
3: pleasures of life and is is just very simple. And then Frodo, in a way, is almost like uh, he sticks out. Like yeah. he's strange. He's kind of he got that wanderlust from Bilbo. So right. he's like the polar opposite in a way of Sam. He has to leave. He can't just like chill in the Shire. So in a yeah, way, it's he's like just maybe like- just that them not being there. And you know, Bilbo's like off in fucking Rivendell. Yeah. It's like maybe just like I don't know, without those like two aspects. I don't know. Maybe they just fell into, I don't know. Like, yeah, like. I'm trying to think of it in terms of an allegory. Like, how does that happen to people? What drives people to embrace progress that might actually harm them in the long run?
1: There's a French philosopher, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who used to write about this and said, like, the most ideal point in history for mankind was what an uh, era that he called, like, mankind's nascent period, like, nascent man, which is just, like, adolescent in our like, societal development. So, like, basically the best time to be a human being was when we had like the Shire pre industrialization sort of existence. Like everybody had like a free association, like communal sort of like uh vibe going. There was no like established States or like any kind of like, hierarchical structure and tribes like everybody just like gathered at the end of the day around a fire and they shared what they had acquired for the day you know like oh pick some berries over here it's like i caught three fish Uh, let's all eat like that kind of shit and that every sort of like technological advancement past that point even though we think it's like improving our lives uh, is actually making our lives more complicated and more dangerous.
2: As much as uh, I, I do not like the, the, the I think it's the smugness of and print people. Yeah. Uh, I do like the idea a friend of mine has joked about, you know, like, yeah, let's get a compound and live there and we'll just like farm off the land and blah, blah, blah. After, what, like, just two two months off of Instagram, I'm ready. Yeah. I think, like, Instagram was the last <laughs> piece of social media holding me back or whatever, and, like, you distance yourself from that, and you're just like, wait, I don't need the internet. For what, bad news? I don't need that shit. So, yeah. Good point. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Let's absolutely get rid of the technology and just get back to, like, simple living.
1: And I guess here. maybe that's why they didn't industrialize the Shire. Uh, okay, the this is
3: Wikipedia, paragraph okay. here. Book six, the very end. The four hobbits make their way back to the Shire only to find that it has been taken over by men directed by Sharky, who they later discover to be Saruman. The hobbits led by Merry raise a rebellion and scour the Shire of Sharky's evil yeah, Grimma Wormtongue uh, turns on that Sauron and kills him in front of Bag End, Frodo's home. He is killed and turned by hobbit archers. Merry and Pippin are celebrated as heroes. Wait, the hobbits Mary's... have archers? They do, so they actually rise up. again. They they return home yeah. and see it's industrialized by Sauron, and then they rise up and fucking kill him. And oh, then shit. Sam marries rosy cotton and uses his gifts from Galadriel to help heal the, heal the Shire. But Frodo is still wounded in body and spirit, having... It yeah, had the ring, so in the company of Bilbo and Gandalf photo sales to the green no, Game. Shit. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Well, so,
2: so there was a oh, whole like it's even
3: more.
1: Yeah. Ooh, so it's wild. I'm I gonna gotta be read honest this. with you. That <laughs> that kind of helps me understand why they cut that shit from the movie. Why is that? Because like they're a basically a message Hollywood was yeah, they, they, like they're they're removing that. I mean, because like from that description alone, the Hobbits taking back the Shire from this like industrialized process that was imposed on them by outside forces working at the behest of evil power. Mm. That's probably the most revolutionary content in the book.
2: Yeah. Oh, so the book turned Lord of the Rings turns into Fern Gully at the end. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like they get rid of modern society. They reject it, rebel against it, successfully overthrow it. And then using the power of magic, like, heal it back to what it once was. I mean, that's, like, Damn. that's like the ultimate goal of any anarchist right there is to overthrow the state and then mm-hmm. return to a natural, sort of, like, harmonious, like, way of life.
2: So what you're saying is that we need to inform the world that that wasn't the right ending. We
1: need to film the alternate ending. We have to film <laughs> <play> the <laughs> alternate And release it as a short film. Uh-huh. Just to get, I don't know. But, like, that fits into the historical context of when the movie's are released right mm. because like uh, we're in the, one of the most conservative periods of american history like the beginning of the war on the well, first and bush administration so it makes perfect sense why yeah they want didn't move it we are saruman yeah
3: we are like the we the are the doing that to beautiful forces. yeah beautiful well, it's actually Iraq, right like people, well just uh we gotta plug this but back right. on the episode you were on of my podcast brian yeah. Yeah. we yeah. talked about star wars and and indiana jones and you know debated like the the nazi mm-hmm. uh your nazis as idiots basically yeah, yeah. but uh yeah. i remember similarly star wars is actually an allegory for the vietnam war right and the empire is america right yeah <laughs> like so similarly you like even when you do it right the yeah. point can be lost it really is can actually, <laughs> it's like that went over people's heads they were just like I mean, yeah. oh yeah like it's like yeah the the band of rebels that are using guerrilla tactics yep. to like, oust a super powerful like <gasps> galactic <clears> hegemon <throat> yeah <gasps> yeah like but, like and, and <clears throat> yeah
1: people do really miss that point and it also <clears throat> shows to you like how often like people just like on their base sort of like yeah. consciousness appeal to power because so many yeah. people have like that man, like, the Empire's fucking awesome i'd rather be a stormtrooper dark Vader all the way you know like
2: that yeah. I mean, that's so that's even if they hadn't right?
3: changed the ending it probably would have had the same like people maybe the movie just wouldn't have done good because narratively people would have right. been like, 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 like you i said, don't get it i
1: just though. sat through nine hours yeah <laughs> i mean it does like, hit right it does hit because like what you just described with the overthrow of the industrial shire, like that, is basically the plot of James Cameron Avatar,
2: mm-hmm. right? Which, which space Furongoli,
1: yeah, which is from which is also firm gully. Mm-hmm. like space <laughs> marines go to like steal steal this rare resource uh, and you know attempt to colonize a planet at the expense of the uh, indigenous species that live there, the Navi or whatever, mm-hmm. and like the Navi then overthrow it, and like you're basically like, and this is the slickness of Avatar, right? Is it gets. Americans to basically root against the allegory for mm-hmm. America and like emphatically so maybe that is something that producers were concerned about at that time, like showing the hobbits, like overthrowing like what is essentially like modern society and returning to a more like primitive version of it i mean because this is these are the sort of like backwards characters that they used to paint like the middle east with to justify the war on terror itself is like this is a backwards culture like we need to get in there and like spread democracy and elevate them to the rest you know the standing mm-hmm. the rest of the world mm-hmm. uh and mean they then they just go in there and like in you know history they, they made everything like a million times worse right to remove that from the film is an interesting choice to me because it's it sort of like takes away that like revolutionary content and that sort of like is that question of is like modern society like is industrialization is this like really good and then just leaves it to the good and evil right evil people shouldn't have absolute power Mm -hmm. but if you're a good guy you can go ahead and be Mm -hmm. king and everything will be chill and that's it and that's what that's what they the lord of the rings movies like that's the message that it ends with
2: so I'm gonna get Peter Jackson on the horn and ask him.
1: Yeah, we'll be like, what the, "What the fuck?
2: What's up, Peter? Like, what? You scared? like yeah. you scared, Peter? Yeah, I'm
1: mean, just picture like the cigarette smoking man from X Files, just like calling them and just be like, "Hey, we, <laughs> we can't to, have yeah, that. We got to take this last
2: last section out of the. the it movie. didn't test well with the audience. Yeah, <laughs> all the minorities really responded to it. And we don't yeah,
1: like that. yeah, they were just like ready to overthrow <laughs> shit. And he was gonna was like let that go.
3: I mean, that's probably too far, but yeah oh, It's definitely like a situation of, and I think I'm using this, right? This is always a turn of phrase I never know if I'm getting right. But it's the situation of like the tail wagging the dog. Yeah. Almost in that, like, it doesn't matter. Even if you tell a story that is like inherently like anti-American imperialism Mm -hmm. or whatever, it doesn't matter because the people viewing it have already been primed to like not see that or to see it and be like yeah but it's a movie yep like they're they're going to be like the danger of entertainment without any kind of critical eye or yeah like the difference between art and entertainment art actually challenges you and and
2: wow so they stripped of killed
1: the artistic mind they stripped the art of the
2: movie just to make the entertainment i mean
1: that's like i mean we can observe that in a lot of shit now like look at the marvel movies they're basically Mm -hmm. like propaganda films for the military you right. know like right. look how awesome our fucking hardware is like the marines are fighting side by side with spider-man like isn't this shit dope there's no fucking artistic content to those films like it's just entertainment pure entertainment. i
3: mean artists can see it in it yeah, like sure. it's, it's it is it's like an art it just seems that we don't have i always it, i sound like a fucking dad or something but it's like what's the first thing cut in like a public school when the funding goes down like art, the arts yeah. programs because if in a way it's almost like the powers that be realize that art is like the greatest danger Mm -hmm. to like i mean you got to establish order when you get people to think in a way that's like where they understand metaphor and they see the power of it then you got a you know a populace and a you know that won't can't just be entertained yeah you know they will see star wars and be like fuck yeah like
1: yeah you know all right like You know, Viet Viet (laughs) Cong, like. (laughs) And they they do that shit a lot, too. And, like, the focus on Marvel properties a little bit more, like, um, they'll have these villains where, like, when you hear their motivations you're like oh that makes a lot of sense like for it's
2: the killmonger effect. yeah the
1: killmonger effect right yeah. and then even with this mo- i haven't watched it but i've heard about it like the winter soldier and, and mm-hmm. the falcon right the mm-hmm. the bad guys are like anarchist flag basically. smashers yeah and they just basically like want to make things better for people and like until they do something too extreme exactly yeah. and then they always have to do that like you have these fucking like motives that when you hear them you're like oh that you yeah, know that makes sense why wouldn't you support that and then they just like within the next episode or like the next like couple minutes in the movie they just Show these characters doing something that's like unjustifiably cruel or evil just so you can be like oh wait no they're bad they're bad slippery so, slope yeah so what's what, slippery exactly. slope. so if these guys are clearly bad then what they're saying is also bad and yeah i'm not gonna i'm not riding with this so yeah i mean that's interesting again the, the difference between the ending of the lord of the rings movies and the ending of the lord of the rings films. i'm glad i now
2: know that that's that's like so dope to yeah. find that out yeah thanks that's a, yeah well
3: actually yeah. you can drop at a party yeah the parties or things again well
2: actually yeah you did it
1: like and you just unlocked a, a piece of the puzzle and then trying to figure yeah, out how many this, years later fucking, it's been again, so many years and these nobody's books ever told me yeah because i never bothered reading the books
0: <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah.
3: again yeah if you want to get the, audiobook.
2: Get the audio book you will be like it's
3: like a radio
1: show yeah Damn. <laughs> all right i'm gonna i'm gonna uh look into that okay so we i think we've been talking about an hour and i think that is like a pretty good place to end
2: uh yeah, I mean I, I'd say what well, we're not gonna go into this more. Whatever, yeah, we ain't gonna
1: fucking break this down would be each a, movie.
2: A great place to sort of plug your podcast and yes. if people want to hear some more yes uh fantasy and nerd content. Yes, yes.
1: Fake
3: ritual podcast. Uh-huh. It's basically me talking with guests uh about pop culture, but with an occult eye, you know, mm-hmm. looking at it, trying to find the, the hidden meanings behind it, or just like purposefully looking at even a shitty movie to examine, you know, how magic is used in it or, yeah. you know, what the vampires represent, basically just uh, finding treasure in trash and, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to show people that it's worth asking questions. And it's also worth letting yourself not be so concerned with certainty, just yeah. kind of having fun with ideas, almost kind of like what we're saying, you know, yeah, have mm-hmm. an artistic view of things and you can pull whatever meaning you want. From them,
1: one little interesting anecdote about like the empty vessel nature, sort of like of art uh, that I remember is like uh, the song "Ode to Joy" by Beethoven. At one point in its long history, it has been one of the theme songs for the European Union, uh, one of like the most frequently played songs in Nazi Germany, and then also one of the uh, approved Western art forms that was allowed during like Cultural Revolution China. So, like, all of these different, like, completely contradictory cultural forces all were able to implant their own meaning and their own significance onto this song, which didn't change. So, like, that you know, it's just... Like you were saying, like when people watch a film, they're also coming into it with the values that they have from the rest of society. They're only going to take out of the artistic intent of that film, mm-hmm. you know, as far as their the rest of their uh, imagination is confined by society around them. And that's like another thing about that's sort of like challenging in like social change, right, is that because you
2: literally have to expand people's you know, conceptions of what's possible. Honestly, and well, podcasts super help with that because yeah. the amount of podcasts that I listen to now, I'm loving the fact that you can... Watch something and then find a podcast that analyzes it because they do they do the work for me. Do, yeah. So so then I can listen well, to it and I'm just like, holy yeah. shit! I did not think about that, nor would I have ever thought about it. And also, you're right. It's now I got a little party fact I can just yeah. go around and just and like, it. Oh, that's well,
3: that's what we try to do over at Fake Ritual. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. by no means a. Uh, it's supposed to be fun. We yeah. it's a funny show. It's just it's goofy as fuck. I have conversations with people. We just like gush over things we like. Ask big heady questions about really dumb tv shows <laughs> and you know shitty movies or whatever but you know it's uh, it's a good time so yeah we're yeah. on uh wherever podcasts are <laughs> you know wherever you get your podcasts and yeah uh, social media at fake ritual you know dot ritual.com as well so check us out please in episode 13 i had brian on and hopefully i oh, yeah. can have rome on
2: uh, oh, too. yeah Whoa. let's do it let's, let's just that,
3: that nerd work. flag talk crazy. about
2: care bears or something i don't know yeah. I, all i oh, have fuck consumed, yeah. be sick. all i've consumed is like cartoons <laughs> and and fiction Yo, I, since i was a kid get so. this guy <laughs> on for the
1: anime episode and you'll be golden <laughs> all right well thank you again so much lucas for taking the time to talk about this movie with us yeah uh we are thank podcasters awesome. we are here to do the critical thinking for you <laughs> and hopefully maybe we gave you some new things to like look for when you watch uh, lord of the rings i guess and maybe maybe we'll come back to this uh when that show gets released and see what that's all about but yeah 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 that's it thanks Uh, for talking with us thanks lucas fly
2: you fools in the middle of the earth. Boy, wasn't that a fun recap and analysis on those movies.
1: (laughs) It sure was, Jerome. I had a blast. This is going to sound really insincere uh, and and insulting to Lucas. Well, um, in
2: in between the interview and now, we've both smoked an entire thing. So that's the difference between we were respectful for the pod and now the the bad boys are out. Yeah, now
1: now we're ready to cause a ruckus. Yeah, but I I mean, it was a cool conversation. Like, I definitely learned some new shit about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and all that other stuff. i like, sparked a little bit of curiosity. I, I like, think I more
2: made a new friend and have a new podcast to subscribe to. Hey, th- yeah, that's also cool. Fake Ritual podcast. Fake Ritual podcast. There should be, we should uh, go do like a tour of all the Pittsburgh podcasters. Like yeah, you know? Yeah, just be like, hey. That's how you make friends in your adulthood. Yeah, so you, yeah get a you, podcast. Just do, you start podcasts and then
1: you just add, "Hey, can I be on your podcast?" i like, "Yeah,
2: sure." Honestly, Honestly. You be on mine. Honestly, man, why not? Because like you're not what picking you your shit friends call? to be on your podcast. Nah. Hopefully, you're picking the cream of the crop. That's so true. the people that you're meeting through other people. Are gonna be like vetted, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay. What do you wanna do next? We're recording all 12 episodes today. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> For the rest of the year. Well, since um, we talk about it enough yeah. and it's starting up again soon, yeah. let's do Avatar. We'll just get into that. The, the whole franchise. James is... Cameron Avatar. No, gross. No, the Airbender oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah there's gonna be a franchise reboot and everything. So. But what
1: about teaching people?
2: Fuck, I haven't learned anything. Oh, My fuck. brain's been off, uh, for the last couple of months, so Damn you have to come with what you know. Yeah. What's useful going forward? I think that's what's important to know. You give us stuff to go forward with. That's true. So, so that's my my challenge to you. <laughs> I I took whatever you did and I spin it back at you. Everybody That's it. That's how I do things. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: challenge accepted, sir. Goodbye,
2: everybody. <laughs> have a nice thing. Yeah. Til, whatever. Till the next time. When you are listening to it.
0: <laughs>